What did you eat for breakfast? I had a bagel and some juice. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business. Business. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast by signing up to the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you will find show notes to every episode and links to other resources. Welcome to episode 41 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This time around, I'm talking with Suzanne Paulinski, a mindset coach that helps musicpreneurs with the business side of their music and also helps them understand the importance of mental and physical health. Last summer at the CD Baby Conference, I attended Suze's seminar about overcoming overwhelm and was inspired by the achievement of how she was able to build a successful business while only being able to work two hours a day due to her battle with Lyme's disease. Suze talks about her history in the music business, virtually burning out at a young age, and how that has fueled her passion for bringing the importance of focus to her clients. We talk about the psychology of language and how it plays a vital role in our success, and also she talks about getting the word out to a wider audience with her podcast, the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Keep an ear out for Susie's dog, Pepper, that makes an appearance by snoring in the background. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Today I'm joined by uh, Suzanne Polinski, rockstar advocate, also uh, mindset coach, musicpreneur, mindset podcast. Um, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. No problem. I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I just wanted to start off, um, if you'd just give a background of uh, you know what your business um, facets are and what you do. Sure. So as the Rockstar Advocate, I'm a mindset coach for music professionals or musicpreneurs, as I call them. And basically, I just help people in the music industry, whether they're managers, booking agents, musicians, you name it. Sometimes I work with labels um, so that people, when they're doing their jobs, they can see themselves as entrepreneurs. They're in that mindset of, you know, not giving up the reins, of not feeling like they don't have control over the direction of their career and really just getting super clear on their goals and finding ways to find time to do everything that they need to do. Because I, I've noticed a lot of overwhelm and burnout in this industry. I've mm -hmm. experienced it myself. So my goal is to really help people decrease that overwhelm and avoid that burnout by understanding what the top priorities are and, and making sure that you make time for them and don't get bogged down by all the white noise out there. Fantastic. And actually, yeah, that, that um, ties in nicely because uh, I found out about you uh, because I attended your uh, uh, How to Avoid Overwhelm seminar at the uh, last summer's um, uh, CD Baby Conference, which was really good. Um, yeah. 
And one thing about that conference is I was going into it from a, a total like marketing and business mindset. Um, and I came away with uh, just how much self um, self care and, you know, you know, just concentrating on the art side of things from that conference, which was, mm-hmm. which was really good. But your, um, yeah, your seminar was really, really helpful. Um, and one thing uh, that really uh, resonated with me was um, you, you shared the story about how you got Lyme disease and you were only mm-hmm. able to work a couple of hours a day. Um, and I suffer from uh, fibromyalgia and I, I get very wow. tired very quickly. And, and um, like I said, that resonated really well and um, kind of gives you a, a clear mindset of really getting down to what's important. Right. But yeah, so if, if you wouldn't mind going back way back, I mean, you, you went to uh, Drexel and you did a, uh, a bachelor's in um, the music business. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So but what, yep. what I wanted to ask is what... Um, what drew you into that that career choice in the first place? Yeah, it's a great question. So I remember being four years old and wanting to be Janet Jackson's backup singer more than anything in the world. Um, there was just something about working with t- talent like that, but not being in the spotlight. My my parents had taken me to Disney World to audition for the Mickey Mouse Club when mm. it was um, a thing. And I mean, I, I was terrified. It's like I wanted nothing more than to be around that, but I didn't like performing. I didn't like people watching me. Mm. But I didn't know that anything else existed. All we see are the people performing. So I always had this idea of like being with them, but not really being the person that everyone's looking at. And when I was 12, I saw um, VH1 uh, channel, uh, the music channel had a um, behind the music on mm-hmm. Def Jam, which was okay. my ultimate record label growing up. I grew up in Queens, New York. Mm-hmm. So um, when I really learned about Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin and Lear Cohen and how they created this label, I was like, wow, oh, there are people like that. Cool. I want to do that. And so from when I was 12 to when I was 17, that was just the only path that um, existed for me. And so when Drexel came out and said, oh, we have this brand new program, I was like, done. That's it. It was like the only school I applied to. It was the only school I want, you know, wanted mm. to to go to. Um, and, and that's really how it came about. I just didn't even know. And even going through that program learning, oh, I don't have to own a label to do something. And even after graduating, learning, oh, I don't have to be a manager. There's just mm. so many other things. And... I really enjoyed, I mean, it's been stressful, but I've enjoyed the journey of finding that you really can create any lane in this industry and in any industry that you want, as long as you bring a certain skill set to it and and you you come from it with passion, you really can create your own lane in the industry. For sure. Another thing you really talk about a lot is uh, your, your why, which is really important, I think. Uh, you know, start with why is is a really good book that I've I've come across. Um, what is your why? My why is because I know what it's like to to grow up. Really, I mean, I started in this industry at eighteen, and I know what it's like to be in this industry and be told, you know, work till you die. You know, sleep mm. when you're dead. Work, work, work like you mean it. Hustle and grind and all of that. And I believed it for so long. And I know how difficult it took getting limes and being, you know, bedridden Mm. for me to even begin to trust that if I just let go a little bit and if I just slow down, I'd actually do a lot better. Mm -hmm. And that was such a difficult transition for me to make that my why is to make it easier for everyone out there, creatives in particular, to make it easier for them to trust that that's possible so that they don't waste as much time and and energy as i did um burning out essentially right yeah i mean um and you you promote the work life balance quite a lot mm-hmm. um and i think it's a, a case of you know working working smarter not harder right um is is the big thing so the the entrepreneurial mindset um like how did that come about in your mind like when i'm i'm you know, older than you, and it was never a word in my vocabulary. So, like, how did you discover? Hey, what what's an entrepreneur? So that's so good because I that's how I felt too. Like, I was like, yeah, no, there's 
there's business and there's performing. Mm-hmm. Like those are the only two things. And I um, I was working as a paralegal and um, try, as I was building my own business. And one of them introduced me, I think I was 23 at the time. I had quit the major label and they said, uh, oh, you got to meet this girl, Jordana. She's an entrepreneur, you know, like mm-hmm. you. And I I was like, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, I didn't even know what they were talking about. I was like, no, I'm I'm like my own label executive. Like, I'm I'm building my own consulting firm. Like, mm. I didn't even under- fully understand. Like, I don't have a, a shop. <laughs> you know, I pictured like an entrepreneur with somebody that has like a store. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, no, she's great. She's she's about your age. She's an entrepreneur and she coaches other entrepreneurs. You two should really get to know one another. And she called me up and she was like focused on getting me as a client. And I was like, you know nothing about the music industry. What can you possibly teach me? You seem really cool, though. I'd love to be your friend. I'm not looking to hire anybody. Again, scarcity mentality. I have no money. I'm in the music industry. Mm. I can't pay you. Um, Not going to happen. And for eight years, or almost eight, like seven years, um, just continually, like, she kept following up with me, kept following up. I'm like, Jordana, you're so sweet. I, I love what you're doing. She's making six figures a year, six figures plus, coming up with all these ideas, helping, you know, I've seen the testimonials. I mean, the work she does is incredible. She kept reaching out to me. I was like, Jordana, I'm good, but thank you so much. And then finally, I was ready to really make my business full time. I was ready to quit my day job. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but um, a law- an, an entertainment lawyer reached out to me. And he said, you know, I saw your stuff online. I'd really like to work with you. Um, I think it'd be great. So I put together this whole deck and this pitch and all my services. And I was like, okay, this is like my big chance. He's going to work with me and we're going to do some some services together. And we sat down in, in like Central Park in New York. And he didn't even open my binder mm. that I spent like hours making. And he said, listen, you're too young to know anything. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hire you as a paralegal, even though like that's the job I just quit. And he said, I'm going to hire you as a paralegal. And when I feel that you're ready, I'm going to cut your c- cut you loose and I'll I'll invest and I'll let you grow your business when I feel you're ready. And I just thought, OK, no, no. And I just thanked him for his time. I got up out of my seat and I walked away and I called Jordana and I said, how can we work together? Like mm-hmm. something is like, I'm not going about this right. I'm not go- doing that. Right. <laughs> so how can we work together? And her and her wife, who were um, uh, dual coaches, mm-hmm. um, said to me, okay, let's sign you up. And it was a hefty investment, mm-hmm. but I was serious. And I said, okay, let's do it. And in three or four months, they had me, my whole business was set up. And in six months, I had a full-time business. And, and it really, that whole journey was I really had to understand there was a difference between knowing the music business and knowing entrepreneurship. They're two very different things. Mm. And once I went through like their boot camp, um, I, I said, oh, okay, I have to incorporate this into my services because this is what's missing for so many artists. They don't see themselves as business owners. Mm. And so that's why that whole musicpreneur mindset kind of came, kind of came from that. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. Um, that's why I set my podcast up. Is I I heard too many times. Yeah, you know, you can't make a living from music because of streaming and all this other stuff. I'm like, just change your wording. You know, how can I make this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other well, so the other thing on your podcast that I've been listening to a little bit. Um, uh, one of the episodes you mentioned how you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't say should. <laughs> which is you know it's a, a to, uh, i remember tony robbins saying the same thing if you sh- you keep shooting and shooting and you should all over yourself yeah his quote. Um, but you know that that really resonated with me too because i i yeah i can't stand that word like no i sh- should it's more you know what what's going to make this work what what do i have to do to to uh, get to this result but yeah if you could, could you talk about that a little bit more i mean yeah the mindset of, uh, you know, not saying should and taking that out of your vocabulary. Yeah. I mean, it's really something I owe to Jordana. I kept saying, well, you know, I'm looking at these other, you know, coaching in the music industry five years ago was like, you hardly saw any of it. And Mm -hmm. 
I so the few that I did see, I kept thinking to myself, well, I would say to her, well, they're doing this. Like, should I be doing that or should I, you know, and all that stuff, just like you were saying. And she said, you know, Suze, should is a four letter word. And I want you like that was just like for one of our meetings, like one of our sessions was just about getting that word out of my vocabulary. And mm. we spent so much time on it. And I I really understood, you know, words matter. And when I, I started, she trained me. She was like all week. My assignment was to like uh, count how many times that word should comes comes out of my mouth or pops in my head. And once I got used to hearing it and being aware of it, it really, I, I still say it now and again, but then I, I he, like, I'm so aware of it that I hear it and I say, oh, okay, wait a minute. Where was that coming from? Um, is it coming from a place of fear? Is it coming from a place of not really knowing what I want to do? So I just look at what other people are doing and think I should do that, you know? So where is that mm. coming from? And so, you know, with my master's in psychology and, and I, I really, I come out, I come to everything from like a perspective of human behavior. Mm -hmm. Like why do humans behave a certain way? What's our motivation? Why do we act these certain ways? So when that word should pops up with my clients, I say, well, let's dig deeper in there. Why is it coming up for you? And where, what's surrounding that? And then we usually dive a little bit deeper into what's there for them uh, and why that word mm -hmm. comes up because it's really telling um, for such a, a small word, what it can really unlock for you when you realize, wow, I am saying that a lot. And, right. and that's really essentially giving your dream over to somebody else or taking somebody else's dream and trying to make it your own. And that doesn't work. Absolutely. Um, and, and to that point, um, how much, how much time do you concentrate on, uh, the language we use in every day for your clients? Because, you know, I, I feel that, if, if you say, oh, you know, I, I spilled my tea this morning, it's going to be a bad day. You, you know, the language you use is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. Like how, much, how much does that factor into your work? Absolutely. I, I, you know, it varies by client. Everything I do is very customized and very specific to um, who the person is. But um, but it it's really seeped into everything that we do together and you know i'm i'm very aware of the language they use how much negative language is in there like you said you know mm -hmm. gandhi has this quote and i'm going to butcher it but you know it's like our beliefs become our thoughts our thoughts become our words our words becomes our actions and so on and so forth mm -hmm. and eventually it becomes our destiny and you know i always try to uh remind them of that that you know i worked with my in 2018 I really felt like I was hitting a wall financially and I realized mm -hmm. my money mindset was so toxic and I I listened to my language a lot and I listened to Jensen Chero's You're a Badass at Making Money and you know mm -hmm. I always tell people if there's a book you really want to read and you know it's going to be impactful get the audio version so that you hear the the person saying the words to you it seeps in a little bit deeper and mm. I listened to that book a couple of times and, you know, she says, beware of the language you use with money. Oh, and musicians do this all the time. Anyone in the music industry, I'm so broke. There's no money in music. Even when we have a good month, but we're, you know, being um, sarcastic or, or just downplaying mm. um, and women, especially downplaying, you know, our successes. Oh, well, you know, it wasn't that much. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, a, I'm one step away from being homeless or, you know, I made my bills this month. Here's hoping, you know, when we uh, I'm very self-deprecating and other coaches I've worked with have said to me, hey, like, oh, I'm, I hear you doing that again. And, and I do that with my clients being aware of even when you're joking if that's what's coming out of your mouth, it's coming from a belief somewhere deep down. So you've got to be mindful of it. Right. And even if it seems silly, okay, I won't say that anymore, even though I was just joking. Well, you weren't. Like it came out for a reason. Mm. So acknowledge it, but like watch it. And so I stopped really saying, oh, I'm so broke. Um, I started saying, I can't wait to make more money next month. Or I'm hopeful that this next thing will bring in more money, you know, and even when it's not about money, whatever the goal is that you're focusing on, turning it into a positive. So like in my Rockstar Life Planner, I have like an exercise in there each week. Mm -hmm. There's a doubt dump, like put all your negative energy out there, but then flip the script. Like what is the positive that you could be saying instead? 
that could really have an impact on how you carry yourself, how you react to people. Because when you carry yourself in a certain way, you're blinding yourself from other opportunities because Mm. you're kind of skewing your vision almost in a specific light. Um, And so when you can talk more, it's like people talk about the the power, the law of attraction. It's not voodoo magic. Mm. It's just about self-awareness. If you start using positive language, you'll start seeing positive things. It's all a choice. And these opportunities are out there. You just have to be willing to see them. And that really is essentially the law of attraction. Awesome. And speaking of, of money, um, if you feel comfortable talking about it, I noticed that you have a, uh, a was it a tiny home? Yes. Is that where you're, you're at currently? Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> is, that, is that kind of like a downsizing thing because it just costs less to you know maintain and everything no it's is it yeah oh no i was just gonna say it's funny you asked that because that was my brother's first question my brother's a wall street guy so i sold my apartment that i've had for 12 years in queens Mm. um and i purchased this tiny home and i purchased a car for the first time and then i put a chunk of it into savings and so my brother had said to me uh oh like is the business really doing that bad you got to sell your apartment Mm -hmm. and i laughed i said no, I've had the best year in my business yet, I said, but it was a health choice. Um, with the limes, I'm very sensory sensitive. Mm. And um, living where I was on Queens, I was basic. Queens Boulevard is one of the biggest streets <laughs> uh, like in the, the whole city. And it's 24 seven. Mm. All of my shops are I'm I'm right. I was right outside three subway stations, a taxi service stand and a railroad station. So it was nonstop. And mm-hmm. um, I love that. That's why I moved there because I, I'm a night owl. I love that things are open late. But five years ago, oh no, seven, geez, seven years ago when I got limes, um, walking outside, just I, I was realizing what a toll it was taking on me. I started to become a homebody. Mm-hmm. I started to stay inside. I started to uh, really loathe when I had to go walk my dog, which it's like, that should be a happy time. Mm. Um, and a couple of years ago, I sustained a fire. Um, I had moved to Nashville just for a little bit, also health related to just live in a quieter place. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really replace a whole lot of stuff. So in 2017, I started thinking, well, you know, I, I don't really enjoy living in this environment. And I have, I've been fine with I've already downsized my stuff. Like right. I'm, I don't miss a whole lot of my stuff. So in 2019, I had a great year in business, and I just thought, you know, I deserve now to be in an environment that I can, I can sustain. So it was funny. My brother had brought that up, and I said, no, I'm actually putting a lot of it away and finally having a retirement uh, fund for myself. Mm. But I did it to for my lifestyle. I'm now in a much quieter environment. I'm sleeping better, I'm motivated, I'm working better hours, I'm so at peace, I'm so thankful to to, to Modern Tiny Living for building me this house. Mm. Um, it's just really um, been a game changer for my health uh, in a major way. That's awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm sure uh, 12 years gave you a bit of uh, investment, um, you know, the selling, sell, I, I would think over 12 years somewhere in Queens would probably be quite quite lucrative of a sale but well i would have i would have thought myself but thanks to the market um uh, collapsing halfway through it wasn't as big but hey i'm i'm happy i made a profit and i'm very happy and grateful that i even had that to begin with because you know who who knows you know um so i'm i'm very grateful for for how it worked out and uh yeah i'm not everybody is made for tiny house living my Mm. friends have come by and they're like Oh wow! But mm. I am on cloud nine. I just love cozy spaces and and everything around me is just calming colors and and yeah. So uh, I recommend it for people that know that they like small, tiny spaces. <laughs> do, do, do the tiny homes come with Marie Kondo's book? <laughs> no, but I'm actually I've always been very Marie Kondo ish to begin with. So again, I take to it very well. Mm. Um, my friends were always like, "Oh, but now you got to downsize." I still haven't filled all of the space here. Like that's how oh. minimal I live. I'm like, no. I do you need to like 
you know, leave some, you know, store some of your stuff in my tiny house. I still have, I still have compartments. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I have a, a, I have definitely a crap problem. So <laughs> I gotta, I, I gotta like have um, that book times ten. Yeah. I think. <laughs> but um, so let's talk about your podcast a little bit. Uh, that uh, sounds like that was an extension of trying to get the word out of what you're doing and getting um, you know the mindset to the music industry. Um, but you've got about seventy, almost eighty episodes, yeah. and you've got. 33,000 downloads? Yeah. How'd you manage that? Yeah, so I'm really happy with it. I mean, I've, you know, I'm not an analytics person. I don't get, I mean, I do think they're important and I've, you know, I've I've hired people to learn so I could learn more about it and I'm still learning about it. But I don't get too bogged down in the numbers. So I never, you know, I don't know if 33,000 is a good, okay. I mean, I don't know where I stand on the stats because I've, Mm. I've never had set a goal for myself in terms of, downloads or streams i i did the podcast solely because i had started the musicpreneur mindset con summit uh back in 2017 and that was i I tell people that was kind of on a dare um and there was a Mm -hmm. bit of a longer story behind that but um i started the summit i had six weeks to put it together and and we made it happen i have wonderful colleagues of mine that really showed up and helped me out and we had a wonderful summit and at the end of it a lot of the attendees were like I want to keep this conversation going. And I was like, because uh, I, I just thought it was going to tank. Like I had no expectations for the summit. I just kind of wanted for the sake of saying I did it. Mm. That was the only reason. Um, but people really enjoyed it. So they said, uh, it was very small, very intimate. And they said, I want to keep this conversation going. So I said, I don't like, I'm not one to jump into anything. Uh, I guess I did jump into that summit pretty quickly, but it, usually I like to plan. And I said, all right, give me a couple of months. Let me... Let me see. I know people are doing podcasts. Like, let me see if this is something I can manage. Um, mm. And I c- called up a friend of mine. He's a podcasting coach for other people. And I, I ran some ideas by him. And um, so I said, okay, I'll keep the name. I'll, I'll extend it from the summit. I'll keep the topics very similar to that. And I did it. I really, I did it with zero expectations. I didn't, I mean, I launched it by emailing my list and I was like, hey, I've got a podcast out now if you want to listen to it um i've never done ads for it um i i try to stay up on social media but for me the podcast was always a way to interact with my email list really i mean it's great that more people have found it but it's been my way of trying to engage my email list and Mm. trying to um have regular content for them that i can be held accountable to and it's stuff that i like doing and I just asked them, I'm like, what do you want to learn about? What should I talk about next? You know, what are you struggling with? Sometimes they'll email me asking me a question. And I'm like, you know what? This is a great future episode. Thank you for that. And I'll, you know, just mm. do it by listening. Um, so it's really kind of come from that. Eventually, I would like to look towards it for either monetizing or looking at the analytics in a more professional manner. Um, mm. But that's like my my two-year goal maybe um right now i'm still just having fun with it playing around with the format uh most recently i just decided i'm gonna do bi-weekly rather than weekly because i've taken on other projects and now it's like i just have to be realistic about it um but yeah it's just been a nice outlet for me and i i haven't put too much pressure on myself I, i would like to to amp it up in the future but now it's just like i said a way for me to communicate with my community that's awesome um, and speaking of email lists, uh, as far as what you teach your clients or what, what you see them doing, um, is email an email list the most important thing still to this day? I, I truly believe so. One of my very good friends, Cheryl Engelhart, um, teaches, uh, she has like a rock your email list course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I've learned a lot from it. And I do believe that because, you know, you see all of these, yes, Facebook is the big thing, but you've even seen people leave Facebook and go more to Instagram and now Mm -hmm. it's TikTok and now it's something else. And either way, you don't own any of that stuff, but you do have people's emails. And Cheryl went real deep into it and she went to all these conferences about email marketing and, and she found all these statistics about how people will buy more from email than they'll buy on social media because social media, they're there to engage. They're not there Mm -hmm. to purchase usually. And 
I was just like, yeah, it's a no, no brainer. And I, I love writing emails. I love, you know, um, I, I would still write people handwritten letters if, you know, if that was a thing. Like I, I love communicating in that way. I'm on my email much more than I'm on social media. I always tell people, please don't DM me on Facebook. I never see it. Mm. I don't have Facebook Messenger app. Like I'm just so behind there. Like email is always the best place to reach reach out <laughs> for me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. still so, it, like all the messenger uh, platforms are so instant and they, they uh, grab your attention away from stuff. At least with email, you can kind of batch process stuff. Right. Um, and you can label stuff. I mean, I'm such an yeah. organizing nerd. I can put things in folders and tag things. I can't organize our conversation in a Facebook Messenger thing. And I, and you brought up such a good point about that urgency. It stresses mm. me out. Like when you get a, a DM, it's like the urgency to get back right away is so much higher. When I get an email, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll get back to them. Um, so yeah, it's it's such a different mindset. You're right. And, and then and then when when you don't want to open it because then they'll <laughs> see that you've seen it, and then you then you're under pressure for to get back to them because otherwise they think, oh no, they're they're ignoring me. Which the anxiety you know. is endless. It's endless. So yeah, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what one thing I like to ask is, what major significant negative experience have you overcome, and what did it teach you? Oh, that is an excellent question. Um, I might steal that on for one of my interviews. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind, and, and this past year is really kind of the first year I started opening up about it, um, you know, without naming names, because I, I have no ill will towards the person themselves. But the experience when I worked at one of the first major labels I worked at was an unbelievably negative experience and not because of the label. I love the label. I love the people at the label. I loved, I feel so fortunate that they took a chance on me, hired me. Mm. I was so young and they, they really gave me my, my break. Um, so I have not, it's nothing against the company, but I was, you know, I, I try to talk at a lot of universities because for students, I really respect the like yes i feel like we baby young adults too much but i really do respect uh the hardship of this transition of like you're getting you've been graded your whole life mm. and you've been measured by how you do on a project and then all of a sudden you're out in the real world and it's oh you're not getting graded you just got to show up and do it and nobody's going to pat you on the back or tell you you're missing some assignments and you got to step it up there's no extra help hours like you just got to do it and it can be very jarring. And I've seen people at the top of their class come out and it it's just different. They're, they We don't teach kids the, the tools. And so right. I didn't have the tools. And, and my boss at the time um, was the one responsible for really uh, entering me into therapy. I mean, it was kind of like an intervention. And he was like, you, you need to speak to somebody. And this is, you know, he gave me a, a referral and I've, I've still go to that therapist like 12 years later. Um, and it was a game changer for me, but the negativity, the negative experience there was that it was soaked in the culture of don't complain, sleep when you're dead, mm -hmm. be grateful for everything. I quit that job. I have a podcast episode about this. I quit that job five times. I, I just heard that this morning. Yeah, because I quit it and I kept showing up because every time I quit, I wouldn't go to the head of the label. I just went to my immediate boss and I was like, listen, I'm quitting. I can't do this anymore. And they were like, okay, I respect your decision. I'd be walking out the door and they're like, but you know, like you'll never get another job in this industry if you do this. Mm -hmm. Or, you know... You know, you're ahead of the curve right now because your friend. I, I got out of school early to take this job, and they he, they'd say, you know, your other friends they're gonna they're gonna sneak up right past you. You think you're ahead now, you're gonna fall so behind. Like all of this this fear mongering, and mm -hmm. you know, if I had that job at this age now in my 30s, I'd be like, good, let them bye. <laughs> like none of that would bother me, but at that age, I was terrified. And I just felt like I had the weight of the world. It was the most important decision of my entire life. And ultimately, when I left that job, it's because my mom and my therapist had to get together and intervene. Like, they wrote my resignation letter for me. And short, mm. short of showing up with me to the job to quit on my behalf, I mean, they were like... 
they they coached me before I went into work that day. Like my mom and my therapist had to work together to to force me to quit because that's how bad it got for my health. Mm. Um, and my my I you know and it, and again it wasn't the label's fault. I was not in a place in my life where that job was was a good fit for me, and I I was too weak or too um, young, vulnerable to really understand this isn't the end all be all. This isn't the right fit for you. You're not meant for this job. Go somewhere else. And for me, it was like, no, you failed at life. You worked since 12 years old to be at a label. You're here mm. and you suck. <laughs> like that, but, but that experience taught me so much. Um, and I still think back to it and take lessons from it. So, um, it was horrible in the moment, but I'm so grateful that I went through that. Right. Um, where do you think that drive um, comes from, though? Like, and the fear of failure is. Do you think that's like a societal kind of uh, ingrained thing that we're, um, you know, that's pushed upon us, or? Yeah, it's. I think it's a mixture. I mean, I don't think everybody has it. I think when you do have that drive, it's a good indicator. You'd probably make a good entrepreneur. Mm. Um, even if you want to work, there's nothing wrong with working for an agency or a company, but still having that mindset, um, you know, that entrepreneur mindset to, to keep pushing. Um, I don't know if it's always healthy, but, um, mm. you know, I feel all I know is that growing up in New York City my whole life, uh, the, the, the fast pace of it. Um, my, my dad and my brother both work on Wall, worked on Wall Street. My, my dad, when he was alive, just was a complete workaholic. Luckily, my, my brother has found a healthier balance to his life, um, I think because we've learned from that. But, you know, my mom was always, do what makes you happy. And we're, we're lucky that I, you know, I grew up privileged enough that we worked for everything we had we were never just handed something. I had to really work hard if I wanted anything from my parents, but we were privileged that they could give it to us if we worked hard. Um, and that's not everybody's situation. So, right. you know, my mom was lucky enough to be of the mindset of, if it doesn't make you happy, do something different. Um, can everybody do that? To an extent, yes. It's a lot easier for others than than another group. But, um, but I, I do think that... Um, for me, just watching my dad and feeling like I, I need to be successful. I have to, you know, and then the music industry, too. I think not just New York and not just the society, especially now with social media and everything so fast paced, but the music industry of the, you know, the, there's only so much room for everybody. You know, that's what we're told. So you better really want it or somebody else is going to take it from you. It's really like this, um, uh, this, uh, you know, war, like survivor mentality mm. or like, um, animal farm <laughs> type mm. of mentality, um, or eat, eat or be eaten. And, and now the beauty of technology is that there's so much room now for so many other people that you don't, it's not as cutthroat as people may think. And as long as you are focused on your lane, you can build your own lane without, killing yourself or trying to take others out in the process yeah totally agree i mean now i i i like you know saying um you know a rising tide lifts all ships because yes. you know you, you you get a group of musicians together and you know if if everyone's just out there writing music and, and performing you know the fact that you could get three other bands together with you and rent out a uh, a club and do your own like you know do your own show and you know everyone's helping each other actually one example was uh, a friend of mine his his friend who was in a band for his birthday you know um invited all his group of friends which was probably like three thousand to like my friend's band and it was like oh, happy birthday and if everyone did that like all the likes would go up that's you awesome know? and it's the same way you could just you could just you know, help another band out, share their Spotify list or whatever it is. And, and everyone kind of, everyone lifts everyone else. Yeah. So and I think that's, that's the great thing about, you know, the internet and how things are doing now. Definitely. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Um, and so flipping the, the previous question around, what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, so many come to mind because I'm definitely somebody that works hard to focus on on the positives. I say two of them really stick out for for two uh, colleagues of mine that I really have to shout out and thank. You know, as you said, rising um, tide lifts all ships. You know, I'm not uh, naive enough to think that I built this business as a solopreneur and I did it all by myself. And, you know, in in uh, 2015, um, I had had my business for a couple of months and I was reaching out to people I had worked with and, and a f- good friend of mine uh, who helped me get my first internship at one of the major labels said, you know, you got to talk to Lou Playa. Um, and I said, mm-hmm. Lava, I, I knew him as Lava Lou because he was running Lava under Atlantic Records when I was there. And I said, Lava Lou, I was like, I mean, he's great, but what can he help me with? And she said, you know, he started Reverb Nation, right? Mm. And at the time, I was coaching my clients on how to get the most out of Reverb Nation. I had a whole PDF about it. And like, it was a major part of what I taught artists. And I was like, wait a minute, because if you know Lou, like I just couldn't picture him. I mean, he's very smart and everything like that, but he's so quiet and laid back. I just couldn't picture him owning this, you know, one of the biggest, um, they have the biggest membership. Mm. Uh, I think 4 million artists belong to their site. And I was like, really? And she said, yeah, reach out, reach out to him. I said, it's been like 10 years. I said, I can't, I can't just reach out to him. And she said, yeah, trust me. He's good people. Like just reach out to him. And, and I did. And I was like, Lou, I don't know if you remember me, but, and he didn't like, I, I tell him, I'm like, you could be honest. He didn't at first. Um, but he, that was fine. He was just like, yeah, listen, tomorrow I'm t- uh, speaking at this conference out on Long Island. Uh, come with me and I'll try to get you on a panel. And I'm like, wait, ser- seriously? And he said, yeah, like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, you you clearly sound like you know what you're talking about. Like, let's meet me out there. And I met him out there. And um, he, once he saw me, he was like, okay, I, I do remember you. Cool. Good to see you again. And the, the person who ran the conference wouldn't let me speak. Um, and so Lou said, don't worry about it. Sit in the front row and, and come to the panel today. And I said, okay. So anytime someone wanted to ask Lou from Reverb Nation a question, he said, you know what? I think Sue's got this. Sue, stand up. And every time he got a question, he just forwarded it to me and I'd stand up and I'd answer it. And, you know, it was very uh, intimidating, but I rose to the occasion and it was so gracious of him. And it helped me get all future speaking gigs. He helped tell people about me. Um, I really always tell him, we just had drinks like, uh, last week. And I always tell him, I'm like, you're you're such a, a big reason of why I was able to build, um, cult- cultivate a community. And then uh, in 2018, mm-hmm. a few years later, Arielle Hyde of Cyber PR, I literally accosted this poor woman at a women in music Christmas party because I'd always wanted to meet her. I bumped into her and then I grabbed her by the shoulders. And I said, wait, before I lose you in the crowd, I, can I give you my card? I need to have drinks with you one day. And she just looked at me and started laughing. And she said, sure, we had drinks. We, we just were so on the same page. And I showed her my rock star life planner. I never promoted it, never told people about it. And she said, we have to do a, we have to do a book launch. And I said, no, it's, it's already mm. February. Like this, the planner starts mm. in January. Nobody wants to hear about this book. And she said, no, you, you know, she's done PR her whole life. She was like, no, you, you, you're overthinking this. Like, no, people want to know you have to tell them or else they don't buy it. Mm. And 2018 was pivotal for my book because she helped get the word out and, People now, like I've sold out of my first printing of 2020 in like three weeks because still of people who are buying it because Ariel put them onto it. And she's always been a cheerleader of mine. I'm such a fan of cyber PR. They do amazing work. And I'm so lucky to have people like the two of them in my corner because they've helped me pay it forward now to other people because of their, of their, uh, you know, how they roll, how they model themselves. So um, I really, I have to give them a shout out because we need more people like them in the industry. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the big question I like to ask is what does music mean to you? Music is expression, connection, healing. I mean, it's just, you know, to me, it, to me, it's everything. I grew up in a fairly tumultuous situation and God, nobody will want to hear me sing, but singing in my room got me through some of the most difficult times of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, you know, I mean, look at all the artists from around the world who are able to perform in countries that don't speak the same language. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just, 
to me, there's no better art form. It's it's everything. It's everything. Awesome. Um, you, you actually, you were you were you in the choir way back? I was. Do you I still was. sing or? In my car. Okay. That's that's really it. And it's not even somebody asked me if it was a, a matter of getting over stage fright. And I said, you know, it's really not. Even when I get over the stage fright and I sing in front of people, I don't I don't come back with like this joy. It's not like I get over the stage fright and then I'm on this high. I like can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> like when I when I talk, when I do a workshop, it's different. I don't I, I, I do get a high. But when I I, I don't like performing live, but when I can drive in my car and sing at the top of my lungs, I'm having the time of my life. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so what what would one big uh, one big piece of advice for for artists be? Yeah, um, the thing I, I I would leave them with is you are the best expert for your own career. Somebody recently called me and they said, you know, I want to work with this person and this person. I have so much learned to th from this person. And I said, that's great. We should always remain students. I still hire people to coach me in different areas. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, don't ever just blindly take somebody's advice because they're an expert or you feel that they're more successful or because that's then leading through fear and letting other people guide you. Have enough confidence in yourself to say, oh, you know what, that doesn't ring true for me, even though the expert said it. Or I like what they said, but that last part, I don't know if that's for me. So just take take the piece that works for you. Don't be afraid to ignore, ignore something I said today. Like maybe it doesn't resonate with you. That's fine. <laughs> um, because you even if you fail or you're not, you don't get it right or your way was the wrong way, you're gonna learn more and get better faster doing it that way than trying to ma like make yourself fit somebody else's advice if it doesn't feel good for you. So just trust yourself that it's important to learn, but at the end of the day, you, the, the decisions come to your table, your desk, and you are so much more an expert on your career than anybody else can be. So don't give that up so easily. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so where can people find you know, what, what you what you do and your podcast and how to get in touch with you. Yeah. So really I'm everywhere at rockstar advo. So it's rockstar and then a D V O short for advocate, um, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, YouTube, it's all rockstar advo. Uh, Facebook is the rockstar advocate. Um, and the rockstar advocate.com. That's, you know, if you really want to find me, I'm always on Instagram, mm -hmm. but, but everywhere else it's, it's mainly rockstar advo. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and then at the end of the episode, I like to play um, usually a, a song by the artist I interview, but are there any uh, specific people you're working with that you'd like to give a shout out to and maybe play one of their songs? Yeah, I'd love to give a shout out to my boys in Sub Radio. They're always so good to me. They're a DC-based band. Mm -hmm. They're currently running an Indiegogo campaign uh, to go back out on tour, and their song, Up, is the theme song to my podcast. Okay. Um, so I got to give it up, up to them uh, for always just being being so great. And they're they're always out there killing it. I love their music and their, their whole mindset. So I got to give it to them. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, well, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. It was a really, really great interview. I learned, you know, learned a lot. Really, uh, really appreciate the message you're putting out there. Thank, um, thank so, you so thank much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, and I thank you for the work you do because I'm. I look forward to listening to future episodes, and you ask so many good questions. Thanks for. I've learned how to be a better interviewer. <laughs> so awesome. thank well, you. That, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks as always for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully, you've had a chance to check out the new website, which I think is a much more cohesive design. The site also features a store where you can pick up some merch to support the podcast. And also I'll be adding charity shirts in the coming months to support various charities, as I mentioned in the end of year episode. As well as this, there's a link to the Patreon account. And I really hope you check this out. This being March, I've got some content coming very shortly to start kicking that off. And I hope you'll consider supporting the podcast so I can cover costs of hosting and possibly get some new equipment to make the sound a lot better and incorporate video 
at a much higher quality than just the webcam and my phone. Definitely sign up for the mailing list so you can keep in the loop of what's going on and what's going to come up for the podcast. I'm also happy to announce that I will be attending the CD Baby conference again this August. So I'd love to meet up with anyone that's listening that's going to attend. And I'm sure I'm going to bring back a ton of information to share with podcast listeners. So stay tuned. As ever, keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Sub Radio with Up. But it's 